Great Expectations is part of the Earth 2 network of podcasts. Great Expectations, Episode 8, The Best of 2013. Hey, this is Sean. And this is Jerry. And we're into the new year now. And we took a little break after our uh, Christmas pod. But Jerry and I wanted to discuss, since we don't normally get a chance to talk about current books, we thought it would be fun to uh, take a look back at what our favorite X books were of 2013 and what we're looking forward to in 2014. Yeah, that all sounds good to me. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. Buckle uh, up, fellas. Yeah. And ladies. Or lady. There's probably only one lady. I'd be happy with one lady. And there's probably, there might be more than one. I mean, not that I would be happy with at least one lady is what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah. But if we could just get even one. Yeah. I'd feel like we we're probably ready. have a diverse crowd. Just like the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. Without the superpowers. Exactly. That's alright. We're mutants in our own right. You're freakishly Annoying and uh, <laughs> freakishly bald and hairy. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know, Jerry. 2013, what a year, huh? What a year for those oh, X-Men. We started this. <laughs> so that was awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, at any point, there was probably a pause in there. We can just... I, uh, You know, the other thing I noticed, too, when I was going through this, is like, I still, to this day, even after like 22 years of reading comic books, do not understand, well, I guess they don't have dates on the front anymore like they used to, but when I open it up... Oh, how it's like six months ahead of when it actually yeah, came out? Yeah, because I bet you that I'm going to be like, this was one of my favorite issues of 2013, and there will be some fuckhead on Twitter who's like, technically that book came out in November of 2012. <laughs> like, Alright, so... Can we just say right now, our show, our rules? Yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah, we don't care about you. <laughs> Cut that part out, Jerry. <laughs> we care way too much about you, and it <laughs> bothers us. That is true. I think about this far too much. We wonder why we care so much about you. Yeah. We know that we shouldn't, and yet here we are. Wait a sec. So I was just flipping through this. That's a fucking Hydra banner in an X-Men comic. I gotta alert the Baron... So that he could buy that. Yes. Alright. So, I guess I can get us started. Yeah, why don't you get us started, Sean? Right out of the gate, I'm going to offend people because my favorite X-Men book does not even have an X in the title. <gasps> I know. Well, then I think we're in agreement. Are we in agreement? Are we? Because my favorite book... No, no little, like, what is, what's the word there? Caveat? Yes. Is that the right word? Sure. Is Uncanny Avengers. Book's goddamn awesome. Cheers. Mine is too. How about that? 
I won't say it's head and shoulders above everything else, but if I had to pick a number one, I would think it would be Uncanny Avengers. This year. I think that it's my favorite X-Men book, and I think it's also my favorite Avengers book, because the Avengers do things other than go into fucking space and <laughs> do boring shit. It was an event. Come on. They, it was an event. Once you're out there, you're out there. You can't be home for one issue and then out there it for was the next an one. an event that ended four issues earlier. Talk about, like... <laughs> yeah, it was like two, when, two, two events in one. When fucking Thor <laughs> threw the hammer through the builder, that was the end of the event. Oh, spoilers. Yeah, there will be tons of spoilers in here. Oh, yeah. For so, books from last year. Right. See, and this is why I've always hesitated discussing new books because, well, Sean, you you get your books every week. You I do. read most of the stuff that you really like. You've got read by the end of Wednesday. No, not anymore. I slowed down. I don't. I no longer like because I don't. I talk about them to you. I talk about them to the guys at the shop. But like the the conversations that I see on Twitter tend to be like. I think this book is great, and you're fucking stupid if you don't think so. Yeah. So yeah. I tend to avoid all type of those. Right. Well, I get my books shipped to me monthly. So I, I get them like the third week of the month. So I think next week I get my books for the last four weeks. That's tough. Uh, so I'm pretty far behind. You, you figure it takes me about two weeks to work through them all. By the end, I'm like six weeks behind on some stuff. Do you think that fucks up like... How much, cause trust me, there's gonna be a lot of like, I don't remember shit that happened in these issues that were supposedly my favorite. Right. But do you think that because of the way that you read them, if you sit down, like, you fucking chain the kids up in the basement, send the wife over to Mullen's house? <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, when you sit down in your comfy chair, you got your, uh, bottle of water next to you? Uh huh, uh huh. And you plow through fucking 75 comics in a sitting? Well, I don't quite do it that way, but... Uh, 10? 14? In a sitting? It it used to be like 10 at a time, but now it's like 2 a day, and then I need a break. I don't I think we're in agreement now that we're both in kind of a down period. Oh, yeah. I always go through this, like, um, after Christmas, after New Year's, like, breakup with comics, where I'm just like, I feel like... All we're doing right now is, like, gearing up for the next big event. Mm-hmm. And I know that people will be like, well, if you read some indie comics... I was just going to say, if you read some indie comics... Shut the fuck up, I don't care. <laughs> I got no problem with indie comics, it just... As far as this podcast goes, indie comics don't even exist. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So, and then I think that there's a couple issues from here that might have come out at the tail end of last year. But I probably yeah. didn't read it until the beginning of the year because I was moving and shit. That's fine. I mean, we didn't exist last year. Exactly. Right? Well, two years ago, we didn't exist. So we can talk about whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't like it can eat a dick. Unless they like eating a dick, and then you go eat something you don't like. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, Uncanny Avengers. What a jam. What a jam. See, I wasn't completely sold in the first issue because I thought that John Cassidy made everyone look like shit. <laughs> I think I might be one of the only people that thought his art on this book is really great. I mean, well, see, now I'm looking through it and I take it back and it's, it's he caught pretty good. more shit no, for yeah. his art than 
than anyone. What am I trying to say? Undeservedly, I think he's caught more shit than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty good. And the thing is, most of these pages, uh, you know, you can say what you want about his figure work or whatever, but he's got full backgrounds on every single one of these pages. And yeah, it took him forever to get the issues out, and he was off the book after three issues or whatever, and his Red Skull's got a giant head, and maybe that's a problem. I don't know, but I think for the most part, his stuff is sweet. I don't know. Yeah. I'm but telling you, man. I'm not going to complain about Acuna coming on, because I love his stuff, too. It's awesome. Man, the end of that first issue of Uncanny Avengers. I did not expect that. It was awesome. Do we want to do a quick recap of what's happened for the Uncanny Avengers this year? Like, just, uh, did it, did it come out? It, it came out in December, right? I think, like, the first issue either came out in November or December. Yeah, it was, Wait. like, the tail end. All New X-Men was the first one. No, no, no. Uncanny came out first. Uncanny was the first, like, that's that, right. So, this, it might have been And November. that's why everybody was so fucking hard on it, was because, like, it was the first one that came out, and then I think it was a couple months before the second <laughs> issue yeah. came out. Yeah. And it was, like, and, like, that's part of my problem is, like, I, I honestly don't, I feel like the, the schedule of the book is what makes it, because, like, I don't feel like, I do not feel like Jonathan Hickman's Avengers is, like, a flagship title for Marvel. Because you've, and I understand it, and I understand the whole, like, we gotta be bigger, and we gotta be better, and blah, 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 and we're gonna have teams that, it feels like a video game, and, like, for every mission, you can just select whichever character you want to go on that mission. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is great, because you get a book that has a ton of characters, it's unfortunate that half of the characters aren't fucking Avengers. I spent more time getting to know, like, Ex Nihilo, or whatever you say, than I saw of, like... You've got this image, like, they released this image of the Avengers coming out of the helicarrier or whatever that thing was, mm-hmm. and, like, Sunspot and Cannonball are, like, right on top, and I'm like, fuck yeah, because you know how much I like the whole Cannonball growing up and becoming yeah. an adult. And then he's like, they're basically two fucking jokes so from the New Mutants, and I mean, it gets yeah. a little bit better later on, but I felt like at first they were just, like, background characters to kind of have them there we're going to focus on Smasher. Not that I dislike any of these characters, because I think the, like, the single issue that was about Smasher was actually pretty good. Uh-huh. You know, so I'm not, like, necessarily knocking it. I just don't feel like post-Avengers versus X-Men, I feel like Uncanny Avengers is the flagship title that's kind of, like, driving okay. shit. Yeah. And I feel like Avengers is kind of... Avengers and New Avengers are, like, doing their own thing, which is... They're, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just um, Hickman's got like the long game thing going on. Yeah, where it's like I don't. But he does it better than anybody else. He does. I mean, fuck! I will fight to the death for his Fantastic Four all the time because that was amazing. <laughs> but it was fantastic. Of, it was. But uh, it was the world's greatest comic magazine. But I feel a little bit let down with the Avengers stuff. I really like New Avengers more than Avengers. Mm-hmm. We're talking far too much about Avengers. Yeah, I was because I was going to say I I disagree with a lot of what you're saying, <laughs> but I won't go into defending it. I'll just let the records say that that I disagree. I think it's a great book. I'm not. I'm on the fence about whether I I, I see your argument about Uncanny Avengers being more of a flagship book. Uh, it's a smaller cast. And you can focus a little more 
on character development. It's true. Uh, which makes the book way more interesting. Um, in the end, I guess we'll know which book is better. We'll be able to make a better argument because of the way Hickman does his writing. But yeah, as far as X-Books go, I think, yeah, we both agree that this is probably the best one right now. For us. And there's going to be spoilers about it because I have to go on and on about the end of issue number four. So basically the idea of the Uncanny Avengers is that... How do we get here? Uh, there was the the split between the X groups. Scott went one way. Schism, after Schism, Scott went one way. Wolverine went the other way. Yeah, it was after Avengers vs. X-Men. And then Avengers vs. X-Men happened. And then there were more splits. And Cap put the Unity team together. To try to patch things up as as a thank you. Yeah. So so he picks Havoc, who is Cyclops' brother, to uh, lead this team. To try to show that humans and, and mutants can work together. And... Uh, the team basically this is this is pretty much the team here right yeah so you got havoc thor captain america wolverine and rogue and scarlet witch added in and then later you see wasp and wonder man join the team and sunfire and sunfire yeah. which is awesome it because is cool. i love him i think i think cassidy draws the shit out of his costume yeah i love the way he draws his costume and he's that's one of my favorite costume designs of all time Sunfire, both of them, both the Age of Apocalypse and the yeah. the original. So, so this team comes together, and the first challenge they face is the Red Skull, who at the end of the first issue, if you haven't read it, you should probably not be listening to this right now. The end of the first issue, he gets a hold of Professor X's body and removes his brain and puts it into his own head, thus giving him telepathic powers. If that is not like the most fucking comic book villain thing of all time. Because <laughs> like at first it was one of those like I just you could give me a hundred fucking events and like nothing tops the Red Skull Heatmonger has now turned his eye towards the mutants and he's got the most powerful telepath in the world's brain. Yeah, you know it's interesting that uh it's such an obvious premise that he would hate mutants. And but it was never done it's before. It's never been done, yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes complete sense now. But and isn't, uh, I'm a little confused because isn't technically the Red Skull that we're dealing with right now a time-displaced Red Skull who, like, just came from the 40s? I think that's right. I like shit, I, I can't remember because I remember like I was biking one day like listening to his word balloon interview before the book came out uh-huh. and uh, and he, I believe that he talked about the fact that it was basically like the Red Skull at his worst. It definitely is, and so setting aside the recap for a second, I, every issue of Uncanny Avengers I've ever read, I think I've had the same response where I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing, Remender? Why you cannot cut out?" Professor X's brain. That is the most disrespectful thing ever. And then with a little bit of time, I can look back on it and I'm like, god damn, that was really brave and really awesome. I I think Remender takes way more risks than anybody else who's writing Marvel Comics right now. And almost every single time they pay off for me. 
It's true. I love the dude. He's probably my favorite writer. I know that in 2014 we have Jason Aaron's first big event coming out. But um, I really hope that the next like line-wide event is driven by Remender. His time's coming. It is. If he sticks around with Marvel. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know what his plans are, but... He's got his plans right here at the end of issue number four. And a little flash forward three months from now. You see all our heroes on the run. And fucking... You see a, a dead Immortus. And then the reveal is... Red Skull has become Onslaught. Holy shit! And now being, it's an X-book. Being a kid who grew up on comics in the 90s, like Onslaught was actually one of my, probably my favorite event at that point when I was younger. Because, like, it had elements that had built up from, like, when I first started reading comics in the early, early 90s. Like, it took them six years to finally reveal who, like, the traitor to the X-Men was. And so it was such a big deal that, like, I, I believe I ran out. Like, it's rare that a comic book, like, stops me, and I have to immediately, like, talk to a friend about it. And that was one of those issues where I was just like, oh my god, I can't wait for the next issue, and <laughs> so awesome. And then, Uncanny Avengers number five comes out, and we get probably one of my favorite artists right now, Olivier Coipiel. Or however Ryan Stegman would pronounce it, because uh, he, he took a lot of French. <laughs> Uh, pretty sure it's Olivier Coipel. <laughs> uh, he'll never listen to this, so That's okay. suck on that, Ryan Stegman. <laughs> Who had a nice little variant cover on one of these issues? Yeah. I don't remember which one it was. It Four was, or five, maybe? Yeah, no, I think it might have been number one. He might have had some type of, uh... Yeah, Detroit Fanfare variant. Oh, shit, that's right, in our own hometown, I remember. Yeah. Oh. Now I remember why I remember the ish, the uh, cover. Yeah. Selling like hotcakes here in Detroit. I love this book so much that I not only bought the single issues, but I also double-dipped on the hardcover so that I could loan them out to people to help them understand the greatness that is that book. Fair enough. Plus the art's bigger. Yeah. So I can look at every little panel. Look at shit kicked out of him. Oh man. This book is so great. This I I might if they come out with an omnibus edition of this, this might be something that I would buy. They better. I don't think I've bought well, I bought the FF, the Fantastic Four volume, but that's the only modern book that I've bought one of these four, but I think Uncanny Avengers might be deserving of it for me. Wait, you read a you bought an omnibus for Hickman's? For Hickman's Fantastic Four, yeah. I, yeah, I haven't about, read it yet. I'm going to wait until Volume Two comes out before I reread the whole thing. I think so I, that was one of those. Like I'm always every couple of years, like I'll get or I'll get interested in like the idea of binding, like in, like binding your own comic. Yeah, I know a few guys who do that. Yeah, and they do really good work. And there's actually a forum thread on the Eleven O'clock Comics forum about doing it. I think I'd want to start off with something small, though. Like, I think, like, I would want to take, like, um, I think the one that always springs to mind when I first think about it is Millar and Hitch's Fantastic Four. Because it was only a year. Uh-huh. So it would just be, I think it's like 12, maybe 14 issues tops mm-hmm. if they double shipped anything, which it'd be in Hitch. Not I, with Hitch. <laughs> yeah, so. Maybe it was 10 four issues. Four or six issues. 
Yeah. So I think about maybe doing that one first. But then, like, over there, that fear agent omnibus, like, that's, every time I try to crack that son of a bitch open, I, like, worry that I'll never be able to have kids again. I have to, like, <laughs> I have to fucking, I gotta get, like, a special, I'll have to get, like, a tray table yeah, or something. Yeah, you need one, yeah. Like a, it's yeah. tough, too, because it's such a nice book. It is. That being oversized like that, you want to baby it, but it's too big to baby. Yeah. Mine's pretty banged up now. Because what's the other problem is, like, sometimes it'll be, like, I'll get all my crap done for the day, and I'll start to, like, read comics at the end of the night as I'm, like, falling asleep. So this is going to be a moment just for Jerry, because you're not going to hear what's going on. But I'll be sitting there, and it'll be this. <laughs> like, I'll be lying down, and the comics will I'll wake up, and I'll be, like, there'll be a comic, like, hanging Laying off on my your bed. <laughs> yeah, I would never do that. i got to keep mine minty. Oh, you'd be pissed this Wolverine here the other day. I, I didn't pick it up on Wednesday with my books, and so I ran into the shop yesterday to get it, oh, and I man. shoved it into a grocery bag. Oh, no. <laughs> like, with my groceries, and I was <laughs> carrying it in. So it's ripped here. It's coleslaw leaked all over it. Yeah. It was an awesome issue. We will talk about that in a little bit. Awesome. I won't spoil it for you, but... It leads into the books I'm looking forward to in 2014. Yeah. So fuck yeah. Dude, I could do an entire hour about Uncanny Avengers, but we're not going to be able to do that because no. we got to get cracking. But if you have not read this book, you can start from issue number one. Although I would recommend going back at least, at the very least, checking out the Dark Angel saga from Uncanny X-Force because I know that elements of Uncanny X-Force bleed right into Uncanny Avengers and... Uncanny X-Force is well worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't read that, it's... We're actually going to... We're going to have an episode about Uncanny X-Force, because... We have to. Yeah. It's one of the best X-Stories that's been told that's in the last the worst, years. You want to hear about the worst... Like, I bought every single single issue for that, okay? Then, I bought the trades. Then, when I went to C2E2 last year, I met Rick Remender... And there was a guy a couple rows over selling them for like 50% off, you know, some store. And I was like, fuck that shit. I'm going to buy them from the guy so he gets all the money. So I bought all the fucking hardcovers from him. <laughs> and then I just pre-ordered the fucking Omnibus. So I will have owned that in every single format other than digital because digital blows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it blows, but yeah. All right. It doesn't blow. but Some of it's really great. It's not for me. That's yeah, that's fine. I like some of those um this year when they were, oh, the no. infinite comics. Yeah, I think I read only one of them. I meant the year before. See everything's starting to bleed together. The yeah. older that I get, I'm like oh. Just say the year name. Yeah. 2012. Uh, so, Uncanny Avengers by far my favorite book over the year, but there's also like issues that I wanted to talk about other books. Stuff that I really enjoyed. I don't know, Jerry. Any of these seem enticing to you? I get some issues. Well, you've got everything here that's good, I think. I didn't pull out any specific issues of X-Men Legacy, although I did actually. That was a... That's one that's missing, yeah. That was a book that I thought I was going to hate, just because I'm not that big of a Legion guy. Uh Uh-huh. And it's a book that... Every time that I would get it, it would, like, slowly sink to the back of my to-read pile. Right. 
And I tend to be one of those guys that, like, because I know that Mullins, for instance, he puts the books that he wants to read the least at the front so that he gets, like, the cream of the crop at the very end of it, you know? Uh-huh. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And part of the problem is I it's good for me because in the past couple of months I've gotten rid of a bunch of stuff that I didn't want anymore. Like, I was going through all my stuff, and I was like, anything that I'm not ever going to read again is getting tossed the fuck out. Captain Marvel? Gone. Huh. Avengers Assemble? Gone. Huh. So there's a theme there. <laughs> Anyways, um, X-Men Legacy was one of those books. When, like, when I get my books on Wednesday, I don't immediately devour them all Wednesday because I think that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But my goal is to have them all read by the following Tuesday night. And anything that doesn't make it past, like anything that gets left over... And carries over to the next weeks of comics. I'm starting to think that maybe I should start getting rid of those books. Mm-hmm. However, every time that I read X Men Legacy, I'm like, "Why don't I read this sooner?" Yeah, this is actually really good. Uh huh. That's Cy Spurrier. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. It's a great book. Art's fun. Like it's yeah. That's that's the way to describe it. I mean, it's got a really unique look to it. But uh, it's a fun look, and it's just a weird book, yeah. you know. And it's it's kind of uh, set aside from wh- everything else that's going on in in the the Marvel U. Um, and I think that's why it slips to the back of people's piles. But um, quietly, they were doing really good work on that book and telling a really interesting story. I think it would have served sales better if they could have figured out a way to tie in better to the rest of the X universe. Yeah. But um that wasn't the story they were trying to tell. And I think it ended up working out really well. Yeah. I'd be sorry to see it gone. I'm happy to see that it's ending in or it's at least doing the issue three hundred. Yeah. I think that's cool that it's coming back. Yeah, I I had some excitement for the for a Legion story after the whole the last legacy story that they did with him. Age of X? Yeah, Age of X, which I really enjoyed a lot. And it was cool to see, at least for five minutes, that there was some some carryover from that story, like After Effects that, you know, things that happened in Age of X stuck with the characters, you know, the whole thing with... um, Chamber got his powers back. Yeah, Chamber getting his powers back. Scott and... uh, Frenzy. Frenzy their whole love thing like you know lingering confusion about what all that meant when they came back i think that was for me the most interesting storyline i think so too yeah coming out of it i'm sorry that it just kind of petered out without resolving itself but frenzy ended up in which book it was one that i ended up dropping and i don't even know if it's still going i know what you're talking about because it was like kind of it was really cartoony artwork it might have been, because I think Christos Gage was writing it. Was it X-Men Legacy before Spurrier took over and it rebooted? It might have been the very... It was. Yeah. Yeah, I ended up dropping the title, which was the first big drop that yeah. I had with a Marvel book. Because if it was even remotely important to continuity for Marvel, I would stick with it through thick and thin. But yeah, that yeah. was the first one... And that it was an X-Men book was a shock to me, but I was just like, I can't keep reading this book. I just don't enjoy it anymore. So, okay, that's as negative as I want to get. But when I saw that they were going back to Legion for Legacy, yeah, I got pretty excited about it. 
and it ended up working out. Yeah, it's a pretty good title. Some very fine inks by my buddy Craig Young on some of those books. Love that guy. There you go. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. So, another book that I want to talk about that seems to uh, get a lot of heat on the internet for not being good, which, I don't know, bumps me out. And this might be actually one of the books that started in 2012, but I didn't read it until I was settled into the house because I had like a good two months of books to fucking catch up on after I fixed up the place. It got shit back in order, Jerry. And what I'm talking about is Savage Wolverine. Now, the first arc of this is great. Second arc was by Joe Madriera. I think Zeb Wells was probably writing it. And I checked it out because I got a, I got a thing for Wolverine in the brown and tan costume. Mm -hmm. Um, but Joe Madriera's art doesn't do it for me like it did when I was 12. Yeah. And so the, the one that really stood out for me, which I find it funny that the part that I like the most about the first arc of Savage Wolverine, I think it kind of ended on a down note that wasn't like the, like it, it just kind of ended suddenly. Yeah. Like it didn't have a ton of focus, but like, I love the Savage Land. As you know, one of my all time favorite Marvel villains right. is Sauron. Uh-huh. Um, and this, I think at this point in my life, just because of what everything was going, everything that was going on at the beginning of last year, I just wanted something that was fun. And this book, more than any other comic at the time, reminded me of the animated series. Really? Like, that's what I thought every time that I read this, was just hmm. like, it was fun, because like, Wolverine kept on um, saying cripes. <laughs> yeah. And it made me laugh, because it was like, I was happy that it wasn't like, like you pick up the shit show that is Uncanny X-Force now, and, like, they swear all the time, but it's, like, there's black bars across it. And it's just, like, is it really necessary? In a world where we've got indie comics and Max lines, do you really need, like, Puck swearing all the time? Like, it's unnecessary. And I really like the Cripes thing. And the thing that made me laugh was, like, when I went online to Twitter and forums and stuff like that, everybody was bitching about the fact that he kept on saying cripes. Because he must have said it like five or six times as shit was going down in this uh, issue. Uh-huh. And everybody was like, what the fuck? Well, when I started the reread, dude, he says it all the fucking time back in the day. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So everybody that was like, oh my god, Wolverine doesn't talk like that. He wouldn't say that. Completely wrong. I mean, that was harkening back to the Cockrum and Claremont days. Mm-hmm. Or Len Wine. Yeah. Well, Wine. 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 Yeah, I think think Ween. I don't know. Moving on. Ween Wine. Plus, so we didn't mention, though, that... Yeah, there you go. Frank Cho did the first arc. The covers look fucking cool. Like... And this is him... Shauna looks cool. Yeah. (laughs) Who's your your comics crush right now, Jerry? Oh, anytime he draws her, it's her. (laughs) Anytime he draws anybody, it's her. I mean, Jesus Christ, that is a panel... That is a page of Wolverine fighting a fucking Velociraptor. Right. This this book is just Frank Cho telling a story outside of continuity. I think people, if they would just get okay with the fact that it's outside of continuity, and it's just a fun story. Why does it have to be outside fun of sake, continuity? Because I don't know that it really fits into what's going on right now. Mm. But, I mean, it does... Uh, when a certain fucking murder people, man, shield agents on a fucking raft, 
shooting mer people that look like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, this is just a story of Frank Cho saying, okay, here are some things I like to draw. I like to draw Shanna, because she's hot. She's got a spear. And you can do all kinds of weird sexual innuendo with her. With all these phallic symbols and dinosaurs with with weird penis shapes on their bodies snuck in there. And Wolverine. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Savage Land. It it plays into all of his strengths. And yeah, there were people that don't like it, but I'm not one of them. It's a bunch of red shirt shield agents. Right? Okay. That are just getting (laughs) murdered left and right. Shauna's running around kicking ass. Logan's kicking ass. It's awesome. That is a sweet fucking looking panel. Yeah, they're all good. They're oh. all good. So, I think if you like stories that have nothing to do with anything else going on in the Marvel U that could take place pretty much almost any time in the last ten years, uh, and that show Shanna the She-Devil and Wolverine being awesome, you should like this book. I think it's great. And if you're at all feeling like... I was this past year, like you were a slave to sticking with certain books that you might not want to. This is the perfect title to get because I didn't particularly like the jock story. Uh Okay. And like, I look back at that and I'm like, this is going to be the book that breaks me of my nerdy compulsive 22 year. I got to have every single issue compulsion. This might be the title. Like this might be the time period in my life where I'm able to go, Oh, I don't really need the new story that they're going to do in Savage Wolverine because I've got Wolverine by Paul Cornell and Stegman coming up. Yeah. And that'll be my main Wolverine fix. Some little side stories of, like, that Tuesday in February when Wolverine's not with the X-Men, not teaching school, and he's got a day off. He mm-hmm. flies down to the fucking Savage Land, stabs some pterodactyls in the face, yeah. hangs out with Amadeus Cho, mm-hmm. stares... China. It's awesome. <laughs> this is this book is kind of like what Marvel was doing in the seventies, where with Marvel Premiere and Marvel fan, not Marvel fanfare, but uh, Marvel feature. But it was you know short arcs by different creators, and this one keeps the same main character. But um, we need a Marvel two and one and a Marvel Presents back. Yeah. I think they're moving in that direction. I There's think a I lot mean, of books Spider-Man right now. Spider-Man Team Up and, and Savage Wolverine, I think so too. A but plus X yep. is another one. You know, That's a book that I dropped and then I started picking up again. And it's actually like... You if just you pick can, up the ones that look like yeah. they're going to be good to you. Yeah. yeah. And there have been some. There have been some clunkers though too. Yeah. But uh, my favorite thing with, with A plus X right now is that first page uh, explanation of what A plus X is. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm blanking on on the uh, the editor's name. Editor's note, the name I'm trying to come up with here is Assistant Editor Jordan White. Shit. Anyway, he does an awesome job with those. Every one of them cracks me up. So, I got a couple more titles here in my... How we doing on time there, buddy? You got some more to be? 40 minutes. No, we're fine. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to talk about, really quickly, one particular issue. One of my favorite titles, and has been for a very long time, is Peter David's X-Factor. Yes. For some of the similar reasons that I liked Savage Wolverine, is the fact that it doesn't necessarily get... Like, X-Factor didn't get caught up in the schism. As much as I enjoyed the schism from a few years ago, and I really like Wolverine and the X-Men, 
I'll go into that book later because it seems that the uh, shift in fandom has now turned on Jason Aaron from what I've been reading in comic book message boards lately. That it's turned negative or positive? Really? Yeah, I was like, I was going through um, the thread on CBR for the original Sin event that was announced and pretty much everyone was like, we better be getting Thor, God of Thunder, Jason Aaron and not fucking idiotic bullshit kid comic book Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. That makes me start thinking that basically comic fans no longer want fun. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, why don't we get to that when we yeah, get to that? Yeah, we'll get to that when we... So, because he's probably got the two most fun books out right now of anyone, and they're awesome, and we'll talk about those at the very end. Um, anyways, so the particular issue that I wanted to talk about with X-Factor is um, X-Factor number 259... By Peter David, Carmen Carnero. That's weird because it says Leonard Kirk on the front. But, <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, this, as the book was wrapping up. I think Kirk was starting his uh, Ultimate Galactus okay. uh, Hunger, the Hunger uh, miniseries. So I don't know how many of these he did at the very end. Yeah. So the very last, like for the lack of anything better to categorize it at. But the last story arc that would be put into a trade were basically single issues that kind of tied up the loose ends for all the characters. Mm-hmm. And the one so that... So it had like a, a story, an arc name, but yeah. it wasn't really an arc so much as loose. I think it was just called the end of X Factor. Yeah. It was, you know, just a, here's how this character's story ends. Yes. wraps up. Here's how this character's story wraps up. And the one I was looking forward to most was finally getting the answers to my lifelong question of (laughs) how are Longshot and Shatterstar connected? Which might not seem that big of a deal, but one of the first trades that I ever bought, if you've been paying attention, was Art Adams' Longshot. And so I've always liked that character, never Uh thought he was a joke, always thought he was a cool character, just needed the right person. I think Peter David was perfect, which is why I'm excited for Peter David's upcoming X-Factor volume, because Gambit's in it, and Gambit's one of my favorite characters, and I'm excited that Peter David seems to be the perfect person to take C-listers and make them A-listers, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. So, Well, he can I disagree just a little? I think he takes C-list characters, and they stay kind of C-list, but he yeah. gives them A-list treatment. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's the perfect way to say it. Like, he yeah. turns... Like, I fucking care about Strong Guy. Yeah. Like, and who right. would have ever thought that would have happened? Of anybody, though, that's been on X-Factor, he probably should be A-list, just because of his power set. I mean, he's pretty badass. You know, he's he's not Bucky. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. I don't mean Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier's awesome. But Bucky? Yeah. yeah come on, you know? This guy is... He's a tank. So, I don't really want to go too much into the... It's so fucking cool seeing Quark. (laughs) But, basically, it comes down to the fact that... I think it's through some type of shit. I read this the other night, but now I'm blanking on it. But I know that somehow they wind up in the Mojo World dimension, and I think it's in the past. They're doing some weird time travel stuff, but they wind up kind of stuck there. And basically, Shatterstar is used to clone people. So he, in turn, 
becomes Longshot's father. And so then stuff happens. They get fucking liberated from Mojo's bullshit. You see Spiral. Spiral's awesome. Spiral's so awesome. It's unfortunate that she's saddled with one of the worst X-Books right now. <laughs> I will not disagree. And then you see Allison give birth to Shatterstar. Oh shit, I forgot about this. <laughs> oh my god, you're blowing my mind. Yeah, so it's sh- like I just read it for the first time. So Shatterstar winds up helping deliver himself. His dad. No, no. Oh, oh no, shit, no. yeah, he's there too. Yeah. Yeah, he I thought I was up, thinking long shot. Yeah, no. Shatterstar winds up helping Richter deliver Allison's baby, which is Shatterstar. But our our shit, it's they're both our sh- shit. It's a good thing I'm rewatching Lost right now because this is gonna help. So our Shatterstar is back in time in the Mojo world. Yes, with Richter, they've both been like teleported back there. Richter's in some fucking like arena fighting gladiator style thing, and Longshot helps break Shatterstar and Richter out of the fucking arena thing with the help of Quark and all those guys. And at the very end of the book, Allison starts getting ready to have birth. So this is Richter Sylve- says, is this Sylvestri time period Dazzler and uh and Longshot? Is that how that works? Um this I believe she's definitely wearing the Sylvestri Dazzler. But I also costume. think that's the same one that was like you remember when X Men first started with Jim Lee? There was, like, issue number seven or eight. They went to, like, might have been nine and ten. They went to Mojo World. And that's when she had the fucking... And I think that's when they found out that, like, that's where they had been. So it would be in between when you last see them in the Sylvestri run and, like, that point. Oh, okay. And so you find out that her and Longshot are having a baby, but it's actually Shatterstar who was used to clone... But so awesome. So they're each other's dads. It's a big loop. It's awesome. Right? Is that is that how it I, ends up working out? Because Longshot knocks up Allison. Yes. To produce Shatterstar. Yeah. Who clones, is cloned into Longshot. That is the most satisfying explanation of their... And that, that's that the thing is I, done. I felt, and I even said that before I read the issue, because I remember, it's weird too, the day that I read the issue, Ashley and I went, like a local theater in town was playing Back to the Future, like one night only, like uh-huh. we could go to the theater and see Back to the Future. So I saw Back to the Future, and then I came home, and that was the issue that I read. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't, there's so much time travel shit going on right now that I can't take it. Were you playing Huey Lewis at the time? Yeah. I'm probably going to have to use that as our intro (laughs) music. Everybody hates our music that we pick for opening and closings. Well, that's for them to explain, I guess. That makes no sense to me. Although I have to admit, it really pisses me off how much I've had holding on to a hero (laughs) the past couple of months. Every time I open up a Wolverine comic, I immediately start thinking of fucking... What is it, Bonnie Tyler? Yeah. And Don Cardenas. Yeah. But I know that when I read that issue, even like the Wednesday leading up to it, I was like, it's not just Sean. I'd give myself the pep talk. Like, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, people like you, and X-Factor's probably going to let you down. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what I did every morning for a week. Sean, uh, no matter what they say on Twitter, people like you. And X Factor is going to let you down. And it did not. It did not. Like, it that delivered. was the thing, was I was like, this is why Peter David deserves to be the fucking highest paid comic book writer of all time. He's not, but he should be. <laughs> and, I mean, consider everything he had to overcome last year yeah. to get to the point where he could write that book. God. It's what amazing. A badass. Yeah. I met him once in New York when I went to New York Comic Con. So fucking nervous. <laughs> he was, you mean? Nervous to meet you? No. I was just like... I, I remember, like... Because I'm weird about meeting creators. Like, I, I want to. Oh, yeah. Because I, I want to thank... I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry's witnessed <laughs> me be the most outgoing, talkative person ever, and it immediately come to a screeching fucking halt when we are around creators. Yeah. I... Oh. Claremont, I fucking clammed up. Couldn't even say anything. If I ever met Lobdell, I would be Chris Farley when he's interviewing <laughs> fucking Paul McCartney on Saturday Night Live. I'd just yeah. be like, remember when you did the Thanksgiving issue? I read that every year. Anyways, um, so I was, I was like standing like across the aisle way from his table like staring at it. And finally he goes, you want to come over here? <laughs> you, 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 Fucking creeper. <laughs> uh, you're, that's just terrible. Cause I, it's like one of those things where it's like I'm, I, like, I'm worried that if I meet them, they're gonna suck. Well, it's possible. And then it's gonna change everything. How many negative interactions have you had though? There haven't been that many. I mean, I'm, everybody no, no, has I, them, but. But I think like, that's my, my New Year's resolution is most likely to, uh, not, um, follow creators on Twitter anymore mm-hmm. because I I I don't want to know. Like I don't want to see behind the curtain anymore. Yeah. Well, the up the one upside to it is that you do know before you meet them what to expect. True. A little bit. And I mean, there's but like I want every experience of meeting a creator to be like when I met Remender and when I met um, Dan Slot. Yeah. Like I mean, again, every creator that I have met has been awesome, mm-hmm. but you know, um, sometimes except we, for the cold sensitive ones, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he was all right. Just yeah, fine. no, no, he was fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you should definitely one of the books that we'll talk about at the end about the things we're looking forward to is X Factor, and it's got a new jumping on point, and you should definitely check it out. So on to the next one. What's next? What is next? I don't have any of the issues pulled out because I couldn't decide which was my favorite, but can I just say that All New X-Men by Brian Michael Bendis and Stuart Eminem is the book that I never knew that I wanted that I wanted so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every time that I see it, I'm like, I would have never, ever, ever expected this premise to have. The only problem is, is that the longer that it goes on, the more I start to hate the characters. Yeah. And that's starting to concern me. Yeah. Because, like... Especially Gene. I don't... Yeah. I do not like Gene. And we'll talk about Battle of the Atom here. I like now. Bobby. That's, but, it's it's really backwards. Because Bobby's probably not the one you're supposed to like. But my problem with Bobby is is that I feel like it's... He's just writing Ultimate Bobby. God, you're right. 
And that's what bothers me about Bobby. Is Don't I'm, wreck it for I'm me. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm t- sorry. I take it back. <laughs> You're right. No, he's yeah. That's w- what that character is. That's right. But and it bothers me because who is like, ultimate Peter? Who is ultimate giant it, storm? And Google. like that's a little bit how I feel is that all new X Men started out with this purpose and they were the X Men, but the longer that they're here, the more they become like the ultimate. Like, during the period of Ultimate Spider-Man, when, like, everyone was living in May's house. Yeah. It's, like, become a little bit like that. Right. Which is good, but it's also, I have such, it's my own problem. Like, I have such reverence for the original five that, like, seeing Hank be, like, lovesick over Gene. Right. And then I found, like, elements of that to be really interesting. Like, when Gene kisses Hank... It's like, is she kissing Hank because she was ever interested in him? Probably not. She's probably doing it because she so badly wants to change her future. Uh-huh. That she's running away from Scott. Like, because after she kisses Hank, she, like, looks at the wedding invitation. Almost in, like, the Back to the Future thing of, like, hoping that it fades away. <laughs> you right. know? Right. So, like, I find those elements to be really cool. but But I know that it's a book where every time that I read it, I'm a little bit, like... Uh, I hope they don't become obnoxious teenagers because I hate obnoxious teenagers. Well, you know, it's probably intentional on Bendis' part because I think the original five X-Men at this point are kind of held up on a pedestal. And I think the reality is that they were teenagers and that that's how teenagers act. Yeah. And that the expectations put upon how how people think they sh- they would have been or you know i guess it's i mean time, we know how they were cuz they had period. comic books from that from that era but it's by the same reason like okay so you look over there on that bookshelf and i have x men season 1 which i bought cuz i think i liked McKelvey more back then uh-huh. he's one of those that falls victim to the i don't ever draw backgrounds right which yeah, kind of and he nuts. still doesn't. He, yeah. he has Mike Norton draw him for him now. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's true, yeah. Mike Norton draws his backgrounds for him on the Young Avengers. Yeah, so when I read X-Men Season 1, right, written by Hopeless, drawn by McKelvey, uh-huh. like I was excited about it, and I was like, oh, this will be fun. It's a little bit pricey for how quick of a read it actually is. Before you ruin it, I loved that book. Okay. I loved this book, and I the thing I loved most was, the, was Jean Grey. And I love the way McKelvey drew her. I've, no, no, no. I, I'm, comic book crush right there. That Jean Grey. Yeah. McKelvey's Jean Grey in X-Men Season 1 was a comic book crush. All right. Way to go, Jerry. What are we at now? Two? Yeah. Shanna the She-Devil. I got a Kazar Shanna shirt that I was taking upstairs when you first showed up. Um, All right. So, no, no, no. Like, I liked the X-Men Season 1, but part of the... Th- oh, man, that's a cool fucking image. Yeah. Savior all... But, like, it felt, like, a little bit, like, as I was reading it, like, it was a little, like, oh, iPhones. Like, there's Gene Gray holding an iPhone. Right. And I think, like, I'd like a little bit of, like, the 60s values of the characters to remain strong and not have them immediately become the ultimate right line of it's, all new X-Men. Yeah, it's a tricky tightrope that they're walking with those season one books because it's... The idea is that they're retelling the origin in today's world. Yeah. 
you know, these characters had their origin today. And with Marvel, you know, time is really loose. You know, sometimes, you know, there there are events that happen on specific dates and other stuff is kind of more fuzzy. So it's tricky, but yeah, I didn't mind it. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I, again, I like it. I, and I really, but the, but that part might be part of my problem with knowing a little bit too much about a creator affecting the way that I read books. Like knowing that, cause I know that Bendis based Aunt May, ultimate Aunt May off on his mom. Okay. And so I'm assuming that like, I grew up in a household where like I was the youngest of five and, and by the time all my brothers and sisters were out, like my mom was one of those people that was like, we just had an open door policy. Like friends could come over for dinner. Like everybody was always welcome. Mm -hmm. So like I read the ultimate Spider-Man thing and like I get that maybe that's the type of environment that Bendis grew up in too, which led him to like have the Aunt May orphan house for wandering superheroes. Mm -hmm. And I like that angle, but there's also like a reverence it's like weird. It's a double-edged sword. Like, I like seeing the cuckoos fuck with Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I'm like, how fucking dare you? Like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and so well, I'm kind of stuck there. Like, yeah. I have a reverence for that character that necessarily, like, she might not be meeting my particular expectation, which is my own thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean... So Marvel it's, Girl it's the of the sixties was kind of a pushover. Yeah. I think the the cuckoos could probably do whatever they want to her. Yeah. So it's all New York is the blanket. book that I am that I am most cautiously optimistic. I still love the book, but every month I'm like And that's part of the fun of the book is like there's characters that we have established ideas of yeah. and now anything can happen. And so I'm kind yeah. of in that like like waiting every right. month was like, just it's like, hard to oh, breathe while yeah. you're reading it because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And real quick before we end our all new X Men discussion, unless you have anything else you want to say about the book, uh, give me a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Coming up in 2014, it is crossing over with my, if you take out the X Men, my favorite Marvel book of the moment that doesn't involve mutants is Guardians of the Galaxy. And all new X-Men is going to cross over with that, which I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I know that there are some hardcore Guardians fans out there who, like, love the old stuff, who aren't exactly wowed by it. But it's been consistently fun for me, so I'm enjoying it. I suppose I didn't... I read the Abnett and Lanning stuff. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I haven't read any Guardian stuff. Well, you can skip reading it and... Go check out the Marvel Noise episodes that I appeared on, where my buddy Steve Raker and I discussed them. I and you can get a nice little detailed recap of everything that happened. Because you guys talked about the, the villain character who was created by the one guy's kid. <laughs> Taserface. Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, his six-year-old son or whatever it was. Yeah. And for those of you interested, those are Marvel Noise episode 204 and 208. You can find those at marvelnoise.com. So that's what I'm looking forward to out of all new X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, we don't want to get off topic. <laughs> so for for me, all new X-Men has been 
a really great book from the beginning. I've enjoyed it. Um, I think I suffered a little bit from shattered expectations with the book because I kind of saw that and um, uh, what's the other what's the other book? Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. I, I saw the two as being like Wolverine's team and Cyclops' team and, you know, how the two um, how the two groups were going to like interact with each other with with um, the original five characters kind of trapped in the middle uh, and it, it started out that way and then it kind of turned into almost um, Uncanny X-Men being Uncanny X-Men or all new X-Men being Uncanny X-Men and then Uncanny X-Men turning into the new mutants in a way I thought and, and that I thought was really cool yeah. and unexpected and I was starting to get to the point where I thought that I was starting to like Scott's team a little better, even though I didn't know if I liked the characters better. I liked the idea of that story better. Um, but now that uh, the Battle of the Atom has happened and the events from that book have happened, there's been another shift in what the books are. And I think that, uh, you know... <sighs> Uncanny is, is now all new X Men. Yeah, really. And I I don't know. I don't really dig the way that that's playing out. But it's still it's still good storytelling, I think. And you know we're far from the end, I'm sure. So I'm not going to criticize it because it's not happening the way that I want it to. But it's not happening the way that I, that I ex- yeah. that I thought it might, or that I was hoping it would. Uncanny All New have basically just become Cyclops' books now, while Aaron with Amazing and Wolverine, which is getting taken over by Jason Latour, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I th- yeah, because I initially saw it as like two separate things, and now those books are both basically the same. Yeah, it was. I'm sure it was tough him having those two books. Uh, with Wolverine and the X-Men existing because you know the the all new X-Men coming from the past uh, and living in the same house as Wolverine and the X-Men's team there, it seemed like there was way too much overlap so yeah. this was a good solution for that but I don't know I don't really love the fact that I, I hope this isn't too spoilery but I, I hate the fact that the original five left to go be with Cyclops. Yeah. I don't like it. No, nope. I'm kind of with you there. We'll discuss Battle of the Atom here in a little bit. Yeah. But since you're already kind of already talking about Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. We should talk about that one. So, <laughs> this book has my favorite cover of the year. Issue might not have been the... Uh, the issue was cool because it was a fucking Sentinel fight that took place on the campus of where I work. Um, so that was cool. Uh, but cover, it's Uncanny X-Men number 11, and it's got a cover by Phil Noto that's like, it's it's Magic, Cyclops, and Emma Frost on the cover being kind of targeted by a Sentinel, mm-hmm. but it's from the Sentinel's perspective. And I don't know why it was, I thought it was so cool, but I did. Yeah, there's a whole pile of great covers that from this title this year. Yeah. I think it had some of the best cover work around. However, my favorite issue of Uncanny X-Men number is number 14 so far. 
And that was the um, Mr. Deeds episode, or issue. I always say episode. And the reason why I enjoyed it so much was well, you get punk rock Emma, and I'm not. She seems to be wearing a Punisher T-shirt, which is kind of weird. And she's got that kind of. Um, she's got kind of that basic instinct pose on that one panel that you were just yeah. looking at with the the Punisher, and it, I just kept thinking maybe she's gonna. Never mind. Seduce Mr. Deeds. Get or, back at Cyclops. Or at least recross her legs. <laughs> Comic book crush number three. So it's. <laughs> Emma Frost legs. So basically the whole story is just trying to prove that this kid's powers will actually be worthwhile. And to see how far... So they sent him basically on this whole mission of breaking into a shield and delivering a note. Just to see how far he can get. And at the very end of it, the kid asks if he can get a cool X-Men name. And Emma Frost says Morph. And when I read that, I was like, fuck Yes. Not because I liked more from Age of Apocalypse, but because I liked more from the cartoon, and I felt like this character closely resembles him. So I still haven't gotten... I've heard differing things from different people. Like, I asked on a message board, and people were like, no, we didn't even like the code name. And then I've heard from other people that, yes, it's sticking. So, considering that I'm the only one who's in my head, in my head, it's the 616 Universe introduction of the cartoon character Morph. And it was pretty awesome. I like those moments that catch me by surprise. Because those are the moments that don't get ruined by the internet. Uh-huh. You know? It's like the subtle little things. Where that's like what I look for now. Because big things seem to get spoiled by yeah. press releases. And, you know, we're going to tell you Marketing what next year's event is before this year's event is over with. So, Uncanny X-Men has been just as good. I mean, it's I, I wanted Bendis on X-Men books the second that he was on Avengers books. And he gets it, and he did one of my favorite things ever, which was break up Scott and Emma because they were awful together, and they were (laughs) awful for each other, and they turned each other into horrible, shitty people, and I think it's great that they're no longer together. So I'm going to high-five Bendis for that one. Okay. The next time I'm going to travel down to Portland and bike around looking for him. He's a big biker, that man would get along. You guys would probably be best friends. Well, I don't it's, think we. I don't think it's a shame. Do I don't. I don't know enough David Mamet stuff. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. What can I say? So, the big misses for me this year was Uncanny X Force. Terrible. Uncanny X Force was not my favorite book. Cable and the X Force took a dive. That. Cable and the X-Force was really disappointing because yeah. for me, it was one of my very favorite X-Men books early in the year. Yeah. And I don't know if it's me changing my, if my interests changed or if the book just never found its legs, but, uh, yeah, it just, it just didn't fit what I was wanting to read anymore. Yeah. And I think it had some really high points during the year, but I'm at the point now where, um, you know, now that it's wrapping up and combining with the other X-Force book, I think that's perfect timing because I was pretty much done with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was my least uh, 
favorite book of the year as far as X books goes was Uncanny X Force. The entire the entire year, you didn't dig any of it, really. I liked Cable and X Force to begin with, and there were moments, you know, but uh, there was like a big shift in the past couple months in art. Like when yeah. it was when it was Laroca, I I thought it was fine, and I yeah. I, I dug the Colossus and Domino relationship. Right, I was, yeah, I was happy w- to see um, Boom Boom. You yeah, know, just like any time that there's callbacks to characters that I grew up caring about, like I'm excited. But they were definitely like the books where I was like, eh. yeah, he tried to do some cool stuff. He brought the Reavers back, um, which. Should have excited me more than it did. I don't know what the deal was, but yeah. I just I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because I loved Avengers Arena. Me too. And so that it was, book kicked so much yeah. ass, and I think it must have kicked kicked extra ass because I was hating what was happening, but I still dug it so much. Yeah. Man, I love that book. I wish so, it was an X book. We'll talk about yeah. it more. <laughs> <laughs> so there really wasn't that much this year that I didn't like. I mean, I could go off on a lot of stuff that I liked outside of the X-Men world, but mm-hmm. we ain't a non-X-Men podcast. That's right. So carry on. So next book I want to talk about, Wolverine and the X-Men. And the reason why I want to talk about this book is because I think it's been consistently great since it first started. It was by far... My absolute favorite of the X titles until Uncanny Avengers came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the quirkiness of it. And I love... At first, I never liked Wolverine post-House of M. Like, I felt like giving his memories back, like, fucking sucked. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I've started to notice that, like, I enjoy his arc of going from this like when he started the school I was like really Logan mm-hmm. taking after Xavier it should be Scott and it was like no he's actually the perfect choice because he's exactly what the dream should be about here is a guy who was fucking brutalized by the government kidnapped drugged implanted with artificial memories experimented on, tortured, uses a fucking weapon. Like, his life has just been shit after shit after shit. Like, he's the dude that, like, he doesn't kill people because he gets off on it. He doesn't kill people because he loves it. He kills people because he's already done it, and he doesn't want his friends to have to do it. So he's willing to make the fucking difficult choices so that they don't have to. Dude's already resigned to the fact that he's going to hell, so he's not going to allow fucking Kurt to go. He's not going to allow Peter to go. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to allow Kitty or Rogue to go. He's, like, making the difficult decisions. And while doing those difficult decisions, like, clearly deciding that, like, Uncanny X-Force and that clandestine life, like, leaving it behind and becoming the person that Charles Xavier saw all those years ago when he recruited him. Like... And I never thought that I'd like that part of him, but holy shit. Like, Mm -hmm. he actually works really well as the headmaster. So one of the issues that I wanted to talk about was Wolverine and the X-Men 27 AU, because I actually liked Age of Ultron. (laughs) And I believe I was one of the only people who actually liked Age of Uh, Ultron. That's probably true. 
probably is true. Now, I think that it has, it got some shit, because unfortunately, this year was stacked with events. This wasn't just like, oh hey, we're going to have one big summer event. They had this, they had Age of Ultron, they had Battle of the Atom, and they had Infinity. All fighting. Which was really two, two events. Yeah. Which was, all of those were like fighting for the top event spots. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because I thought it was great to put Sue Storm and Logan together. Yeah. Like, I might not have enjoyed Age of Ultron as much. Um, I mean, it wasn't by any means like my favorite book of all time of the year or anything like that, but I like alternate reality stories, and I like that it created this time thing. I mean, it gave us, like, whether or not you like Age of Ultron or not, it gave us, like, Spider-Man 2099 showing back up. It gave us the all-new X-Men thing, like, which, I mean, was already... But because this had been planned for so much longer, like, you go back to when the heroic ages start, um, in when they rebooted Avengers with Bendis and John Romita Jr., issue number five had Tony Stark map out the, like, what was happening in the Marvel Universe. And if you ever go back to that, like, it clearly, years before we ever got all new X-Men, there's a little bubble that says yesterday's X-Men. And I remember staring at that, and I was like, the fuck does that mean? Well, it was all new X-Men, and they knew. And there's a moment in, um... So, the reason I bring up the... the is I, I enjoyed the relationship between Logan and Sue, and seeing Sue away from the rest of the Fantastic Four. Because I really think that she's probably one of the most powerful characters, if yeah. not the most, in the entire Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, they stole a fucking flying shield car from Nick Fury. That's awesome. <laughs> so, that's my little Age of Ultron rant. I actually enjoyed it. I hope that... Uh, I hope that people, a few years from now, give it a second look, where it's not hampered by... Um, you know, reactions to the fact that it was a year late because of yeah. whatever. Like, I think that I think that we're a little bit too concerned as fans with shipping schedules and when things come out and how they fit. Mm-hmm. And in a year from now, when you go back and you read these, it doesn't fucking matter what time period it fit into. Well, now, right? But I, as it was coming tough. out, it was difficult. It's, but it's a damn shame because had it come out on time, it would have been epic. I mean. You know the the story that that uh, I'm sorry the story that that Bendis and Romita told with Ultron was awesome, and to see a payoff to that would have been great. Yeah, and all that momentum was wrecked. Absolutely, the the momentum was terrible. But I think going into it, like I was able to remove myself from that. And I think there yeah. were a lot of people that weren't because it seems to be it seemed to be the flavor of the week of 2013 to find some type of controversy in everything. Yeah. Like you can't just every yeah. week it was like I'd turn on my fucking computer and it would be like this is what we're angry about today like So Yeah, well no, you're right. You're right. It's true. But I mean it it is it's a shame that it played out the way that it did. Yeah. But Maybe give it a couple months and go back. And I've, I've got the hardcover. I'll gladly let you borrow it. You can fucking check it out again. So, but the book that I really did want to talk about, which I reread last night, um, is Wolverine and the X-Men number 29, which is Greetings from the Jean Grey School of Tomorrow. And it's an issue that starts off with basically 
the kids and Logan. Logan given some type of, you know, everything sucks, but we're going to make it better speech. Oh, this is the Ramon Perez arc, right? Yes. Okay. And it flash forwards to 25 years later, and they're digging up a time capsule. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so it's just one of those, like, it's a fun one-and-done issue that leads into the Hellfire saga. Mm-hmm. But I like... I like fucking time travel, man. I like alternate <laughs> realities. Like, I like all that stuff about comic books. And so there's a scene where Wolverine runs into iBoy. And when I read this in the summer when this came out, I just read it like I read any other comic. I didn't read too much into some of the things because sometimes, like, comic book science and logic, like, I don't want to think about it too much because I'll start poking holes in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. But there's a point where I was reading this last night in the hindsight, and he says, so I'm, he's talking about digging up the time capsule, and now he's going to put a message in it and send it back. So I'm going to warn myself about everything. The Hellfire Academy and that damn siege, Azazel and his pirates, the Black Order, the Butcherous Mondo, Sabertooth's secret plans, the New Brotherhood, the Apocalypse Crusade, Gene. Hmm. Now... When I first read this, I was like, Azazel and his pirates. I don't know what that means. I knew that the Hellfire Academy and the siege of the school was coming up. Uh So I prepared for that. But so this is July of 2013 that this is dated. Okay? Then we get Amazing X-Men number one. And what's in there? But fucking Azazel and pirates. Mm -hmm. So now you know that somewhere along the line, you're going to see what's called the Black Order, which I have no idea what that is. The Butcherous Mondo. No idea what that is. Sabretooth's secret plans. I'm curious now as to what those are. The new well, brotherhood. Been, Sabretooth he has. has been building oh, over dude, in, uh... when you read Wolverine number 13, I think that that, Wolverine number 13, by Paul Cornell and Alan Davis, the conclusion to Killable, has the greatest Sabretooth moment of any Sabretooth book I've ever read. Whoa. Okay. Shit. Like, the fucking takedown, you know. Say no more. Say no more. I won't. So, the Apocalypse Crusade, Gene, like, is he like, I gotta warn you guys about shitty all-new X-Men Gene? (laughs) Like, and all, it just made me look at it. Battle of the Atom Gene? Yeah. Yeah. And it was just really interesting, because I was just like, holy shit, like, that's really awesome. And, like... It just, it's like, those are the tiny moments when I see those things in retrospect where, like, I look at them and they're, they're, you know, Marvel announces that they're doing these retreats and they tease little photos and stuff like that. And everybody always says they've got everything planned out for three years. And it's like, they do. Just sit back. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your books. They got a plan. Yeah. Wolverine and the X-Men, buddy. So you want to talk about Battle of the Atom before we close it out on um, my new favorite book of the year? And... What's coming? Just uh, can I give my opinion on yeah Wolverine and the X Men? Shit, I'm sorry, buddy. I just steamrolled right over you. Yeah, you did, Dick. So uh, I do love the book, and I did like these issues that you mentioned. I I think I kind of have to go with the internet a little bit on this book right now, though. That it's getting a little bit too cute. Okay, and it's it's. It's been a weird book because it's also really brutal at times. Uh, there, like the the issue where where Brew gets shot in the head. I mean, 
<laughs> that was pretty heavy. That was really heavy. And there are times when I think he kind of cranks up the tension and wrecks it a little bit with the the comic-y elements yeah. that he's including. Like the Hellfire Club, I mean, they've proven that they're dangerous, but it's hard to really take them seriously because they're kind of goofy, too. And <laughs> I think Aaron does this in, a, in his Thor book a little, too, where he, he tries to get too wild with his... I'm going to cut all this out. No, I this understand. Doesn't, no, this I doesn't really serve a purpose, but... There's a, sometimes in the book, like even in the future one, like all of the mutants that are introduced, that you see, like, not introduced, but the mutants that you see in the background are like wacky. Yeah. Like, Eye Boy's wacky. Shark Girl's wacky. Like, I under, those aren't characters that I ever expect to stick around or make any type of huge impact. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate the fact that in a world where Avengers and New Avengers is so, like... So heavy. So heavy. Like, yeah. how are you ever going to look at Reed... T'Challa, <laughs> yeah. Namor, like any of those characters, Hank, any of those characters the same after what they're doing in New Avengers. Right. Because I understand that they're, unless I'm reading everything wrong and nothing's been making sense to me, they're destroying another universe, correct? Yeah. Well, another world. Right. And I think both universes are saved by them doing that. Okay. But, yes. Like, so I think that this book is my escape. Yeah. Well, yeah, Into... it should definitely be applauded for, for doing that. And I think there is a place in, in the X-Men universe to have a book like this. It's just that for my personal taste, I think he pushes it a little too far. Yeah. It's gotten a little too wacky, which is why I'm excited that he's focusing on Amazing and Wolverine and the X-Men's being taken over. Yeah. Yeah, and amazing. If well, yeah, let's go on to amazing. Okay, but I, I really do like Wolverine and the X Men, and I think, I think it it could be my favorite book. It's just that those, you know, that that's how good it is to me. It could be my favorite, but every once in a while, there's just a little too much wackiness well, that that keeps it from being that for me. One of the things I listened, I recently listened to a podcast where um, X Men editor Nick Lowe was interviewed, and he talked about how, in the background, him, him and his wife were like obsessed with giraffes, and so he said that in the background of one of the comics, he like made sure that there was editorial note to draw a giraffe character in there. Okay, <laughs> there it is. And when I was looking through this last night, I was like, holy oh, shit, wow. there's that character. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about it, and I haven't really thought that much about editor-driven stuff since, like, the late 90s, when it was so apparent in the X-Books that, like, the editors had just kind of taken over. Right. And so now I look at it, and I'm like, how much of this shit that I don't like... Is just servicing people in the, in the company that, yeah. you know making everybody happy. I've got no problem with it, but when I look at a lot of these mutants who no longer look like our mutants, and everyone yeah. looks like they're from another planet. Yeah. 
Like, that was part of my problem with Morrison's new X-Men, was, like, all the powers... Su- like, I don't want to yeah. read about shitty powers. I don't want to read about... Like, no offense, and I get, like, oh, diversity, and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to read fucking ugly superheroes. <laughs> well, this... I mean, this ultimately is a love letter to Morrison's X-Men. Oh, I know. And it, I, so, to me, it's Which interesting that you like that it That I so like much, it so much. And you need to go back and revisit Morrison now. You really do. I know I will. But... But yeah, I think but see, maybe, I think this this suffers from some of the same problems that Morrison's X-Men suffered from. I think my the difference between this is is that I feel like where Jason Aaron wants to add Grant Morrison, I felt subtracted. Like this seems to be Jason I feel like Jason Aaron is going at it from an angle of love and appreciation uh-huh. where I felt like Grant Morrison wanted to leave a mark. Like, you're saying that this is Jason Aaron's love letter to the Grant Morrison time period, which is fine. I, and I'm, I'm wondering if I, am I even allowed to say that? What do I know if it's a love letter or not? No, I, but but I think it's based on. He said that in interviews. And if you read it, you know, because that was one of my fears going into it was he was like, oh my God, I love Morrison's new Mm X-Men. And I was like, how can I, because when I read that first arc, I was like, how can I love this so much, but hate Morrison's run so much? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know my personal reasons, but sometimes I wonder if like, that's the, the difference there is the fact that like, that's coming from a happy place and Morrison's X-Men seem to be coming from a dark place. Like a, like Morrison seemed more like a, Aaron seems to come from like, I love these characters and I want it to be fun and happy. And Morrison wanted to like deconstruct it. Yeah. And like, this is what's, you know, not all mutants would be pretty and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be counterculture and they'd be, you know, and kids would want to be them. And I understood that too, that it was like, we were in a different time period and like most teenagers probably would want to be mutants just because they'd want to be different and, and, you know, looking for a place that accepts them. So that would do it. And so I understand that this seems to come from a happier point, though, where that seemed to come from a more dire perspective. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of happy perspectives. Yay. If we were going to do a things Sean is excited about for 2013, this probably would have been at the top of the list. Absolutely. But it just so happens that I also get to be excited about it in 2014, which is Jason Aaron at N. McGuinness's Amazing X-Men. We've only got two issues, but they're good enough that the second I got done with issue number one, I wrote a very weird and awkward heartfelt letter, which was printed in number two. (laughs) And if you read it not knowing me, it sounds like I am a religious mama boy nut job. <laughs> no, that's about right. I think if you were to read this, I come <laughs> off like the saddest sack of shit. <laughs> come on, every this is now the, the eighth episode of this podcast. I think people have a pretty good handle on your yeah. affection for these characters. I think if you read this, though, not knowing me, though, you'd probably be like, oh, that poor sad bastard who's sitting there talking about how much a cartoon character fucking helped him through a difficult time period in his life. Anyways. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I've always been a McGinnis fan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember reading like his Deadpool back in like ninety seven or ninety eight with Joe Kelly mm-hmm. and just loving it, even though I hate Deadpool. Um, I wasn't too keen on his Hulk. Oh man, I loved that Hulk. That that was when I finally was able to start letting some shit go. Because you were like, I'm fine with him punching the Watcher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Hulk was Wolverine and the X-Men before Wolverine and the X-Men. You know, like, like that was the book where it was like, ah, fuck it, do whatever. Do whatever. Yeah. Let Red Hulk pick up Wolverine, or Thor's hammer. Which didn't turn out to be that, but... Uh, it was awesome, man. Yeah. No, wait, he didn't. I'm thinking of the uh, Simonson Indestructible Hulk. Hey, we gotta focus. We're not talking about Hulk anymore. <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. This does not appear in the episode. Oh. So good to see Nightcrawler back. And so much fun. But I guess that's the thing. Like, it's absurd. And maybe it's... Maybe it's reactionary that I like these books. Maybe if these books came out five years ago, I wouldn't as much. But there's so much, like, seriousness and shit. Mm-hmm. Dude, at the end of Secret Invasion, as much as I love Secret Invasion, when that panel reveal of the Cabal, and it was just like, here we go again, another year of everybody's on the run, everything's shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just, like, it's life. It's, like, happiness, and I'm just like... It cracks me up still to this day. The the sound effect when he grabs the swords being fat, fat. That's exactly <laughs> what I was doing when I saw this issue. <laughs> oh, Sean. Like Nightcrawler's back, and there's undead pirates fighting Azazel. Even the Azazel, like, I'm happy to fucking see him, and I hate that character because of what Chuck Austin did. I don't know why you'd say you're happy to see him. I well, I could see you saying I don't even mind him being here okay, because that's, it's that's, so fun. But I don't. Can you say you're happy to see him? I'm not Hazel? happy to see him, but you're right. That's what I mean. I, I mean, he was so, awesome in the movie, the yes. first class movie. But even there, he's a total douchebag, and I hate his guts. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I'm. I don't mind him in this, which is saying a lot. I never watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends, but I'm excited for Firestar to be in here. <laughs> Back where she belongs and not in the Avengers. Yeah, this is just fun. We're just flipping through it now, aren't we? Well, you are. I'm just I'm watching you flip through it. So, uh, what's got you excited about this book? The Return of Nightcrawler. Okay. I, I'm excited about the fact that with the changes happening in all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men and those basically being taken over as like the core like this is Scott's re- revolution and blah, blah. so like there I can get my serious X-Men fixed but like the X-Men on a pirate ship <laughs> like yeah. that's some Claremont and Burn shit going on right there uh-huh. and I'm excited for it you think they'll be playing softball soon? I think so. I hope so. One of the books, too, that I was really let down this with this year was Brian Wood's X-Men. Because I think it was hyped so much as, like, the all-female oh, team. Not necessarily by Marvel or by Wood, but just by the general public. And it always struck me as odd, because for as long as I've been reading X-Men, there have always been 
there have been entire arcs where you don't even see a dude, and it's Storm, Rogue, and Psylocke, and Jean running around kicking ass. And so that book immediately got fucked with by the Battle of the Atom crossover. Like, any momentum that it had going, having a new book start... Like, it's the same thing with Generation X back in the 90s. Four issues into that book, they did Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. It killed a lot of momentum for any story that those guys had going on. Generation Next was great. Generation X turned out fine. But I felt the same way with Brian Wood's X-Men. It was just like, oh, okay, like, I, yep, 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 oh, crossover. And, like, those crossover issues were some of the weakest in Battle of the Atom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave all that in. Okay. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with anything. No, but I just cut it and put it back where we were talking about books that let us down. That's oh. why I had the space. Okay. Now we can go back to talking about Amazing X-Men. Do I get to say anything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed... Huh, I enjoyed Brian Wood's X-Men. For the most part. Yeah, I don't... I don't have any memories of being like, God, I really don't enjoy this book at all. I, I thought it was really good. I thought the art was really strong. I thought the storytelling was strong. Um, it didn't knock my socks off with their choice of villains you know yeah. but that wasn't that wasn't the strong point of the book but um i really dig all the characters that are in it and i'm glad they have a place together in a book um i kind of have a problem with the way that uh kitty and storm and rachel are interacting with each other in that book because uh, I think I don't I don't know people's relationships over time change but I've always thought that uh, that Kitty and Rachel would always be tight and that Kitty and Storm would always be tight so thereby Rachel and Storm would always be tight which I guess is a dumb assumption but no but there's more friction there than I would have expected. And it seems like in that book, Storm's got friction with everybody. Yeah. It seems like right now, Storm's got friction with everyone. And I I guess that could be fallout from a failed marriage with T'Challa. But I don't even know that it was really failed so much as a victim of circumstance. But, uh, you know, what? maybe she's taken it out on everybody. And maybe that's going to play out later and be explained. Well, you know, she's had a lot on her plate. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's getting some rough treatment right now, I think. And I don't dig that so much. But, you know, there's some cool stuff going on with Jubilee, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I'm not saying that I don't like it, I'm just saying that it, it didn't, it wasn't it the book of the year for me. Right, right. You know. Yeah. It's not necessarily their fault, it just, it got overshadowed by a crossover, and then you have amazing x-men pop up and i'm just kind of like i would say that for me there are clear winners this year and those are bendis's books and remender's book and aaron's book and there are clear losers that we don't have to list off and then in the middle you have like wood's book and legacy you know that there were really solid fun books um but you know not not best of stuff yeah do you want to talk about Battle of the Atom yeah. at all? Let's yeah, let's talk about Battle of the Atom. Okay. you got to talk about Battle of the Atom if you're right. doing a, a year-end recap True. or a 
Highlights. This is a highlight, right? I gotta read it again. I really liked it as it was coming out. I really like the the part two reveal of who Zorn was. Yeah, blew me away because I didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was our Gene. I didn't. Oh. I didn't realize that it was, like, all new X-Men gene. I thought it was, like, honest to God, like, somehow our gene came back. So I was a little disappointed in that. Well, all new X-Men gene is our gene, isn't she? I mean, she's younger her, so it... Yeah, but... But it's older her, not present her. Yeah. Not, not her that got killed by Magneto. Yes. But it may end up being her... You know, if present Jean stays, grows up, but still, well, no, I guess that's not her. When I turned that page, though, and saw her, I was like, that's my comic book crush right there, buddy. Yeah. Has been, always (laughs) will be. You know, I, that's cool. And it just, like, I don't know, the way that Eminem drew her, I know this is going to sound stupid, because it's, a, of course, young, all-new X-Men Jean would look like, but but that was the first, that's the first time I've seen my Jean in so long that I was just like, oh, it's got to be her, it can't be the young one, mm-hmm. you know? So, I don't know. I did like it, though. I know, everybody was complaining about... Like, oh my god, how many versions of the X-Men are we going to get? And it's like, how much fun is it to, like, see all these cool variations and stuff? It doesn't mean that any of them are set in stone or that you'll ever get any of them, you know? Well, I think we've talked about this before, and my opinion on it is kind of uh, that if it gets too easy to time travel and becomes too common, it loses interest. Yeah, You know, and it, it creates... The impression that you could always just go fix it by going forward or back in time again. Yeah. You know, and then you're trapped in this cycle of time travel, trying to fix everything, and then fix what went wrong when you fixed it. So, I I think it's really risky to, to do a story like this. Every time you do it, you're setting something up to get wrecked. So, you gotta be really careful. Yeah. In the way that you do it. But yeah, this is awesome. I mean... I I liked it, but I feel like it had a loss of momentum towards the end. Yeah. Like it kind of... Where I thought it was going to have a really big ramification that like led to... Either the schism being repaired or, you know, like, there mm-hmm. being certain things that happened. And it just turned out to be like, nope, these characters are just going over here. Yeah, reestablishing and, a new status quo that... I mean, it seems it seems kind of minor. Some people leave the all-new X-Men book and go over to Uncanny X-Men instead. But, I mean, the the fallout from that in the future could end up being major. Right, and that's the thing. The, 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 I, I feel like judging this solely on this is slightly harsh just because we don't have why... Like, you've got fucking shield sentinels now. Like, clearly they're gearing up for war. 
And so maybe the future X-Men or whatever are just trying to point out that that's happening. The one thing that I do want to talk about, though, I'm going to try to find the exact page here. At the very end of one of the Uncanny X-Men issues, they try to send the kids back in time and it doesn't do it, but Raze was able to make it through. And he says, I saw Charles Xavier, the original, actual, for real Charles Xavier. And then B says, oh my stars, did he see you? And Ray says, no, he was in the garden reading. As soon as I saw him, I came right back. Wasn't there more than three minutes. I want to know what happened. I want an entire fucking issue dedicated to what happened in those three minutes. Because I have a feeling that that dude fucked something up in the past. For all we know, he could have killed Xavier back then. Uh-huh. Like, I want to know. And I think Bendis has hinted at the fact that you will eventually find out what happened. But that, honestly, that little line of dialogue was the thing that most intrigued me from the crossover. Mm-hmm. was like, okay, he was back there for three minutes. What the fuck did he do? Because, <laughs> like, think about the way that he said it. Like, so clearly the dude's looking through a window, and he's like, he was in the garden reading. As soon as I saw him, I came right back. I was only there for three minutes, so like... Yeah, and you've got 20 pages to tell your story, and you, you're you wasting real estate on what appears to be a throwaway line. Yeah, so it can't be. Yeah, well, and he got me because I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I want to know what happened in those three minutes, man. I don't know. Maybe it was... I don't know. I hope we find out. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward into 2014, is the possibility <laughs> of knowing what Ray's did for those three minutes. Well, maybe it'll be three years if they're planning so far ahead. Maybe. I can I can only hope that it's like him taking a fucking shit in the school and then down in the corner <laughs> looking out a window, seeing Xavier, and then he leaves. <laughs> that's the whole issue. Yeah. But no, I mean, I liked it. Again, I think it's something that I've got to sit down and, like, reread again. Because I think as it was coming out, like, I'm also reading Infinity at the same time. And I'm trying to, like, judge which one I'm enjoying more. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, when I sat down with the entirety of Infinity and read it all, I enjoyed it much more than when I was, like, reading it at once. And that kind of worries me because I feel like because of trades and stuff, my the way I consume is taking a different turn. Uh-huh. Art was pretty. It was a little bit of a letdown in the, the last issue. Who but did it, the last issue? I don't remember. It was all over the place, man. It was it was mismarked wrong. Even the writer was mismarked wrong. <gasps> oh, right. We talked about that. But there was some... He said Rubik stuff. I think it was... Said it was that pieced it was, together with like three or four yeah, different artists, right? But this is what I'm talking about. When you finally get like them going after Gene, it's like this shit. Like that is... There's like an homage to X-Men number one, and it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. It just looks really bad. Which is a bummer, because you should definitely never have people's last impression of an event being kind of disjointed. There must be like five or six different artists in this book. Yeah. And you know there's a story there, and it's too bad that we'll never hear what it was. I, You know, another thing, too, is like, was it really sold on the whole Jubilee's a mom thing? But you know what? It ain't so bad. And it's fucking better than the vampire angle. Yeah. If there's a way we could do get rid of the vampire thing, that would be amazing. Yeah, well, they really tamped it down now. I mean, it's almost a non-issue at this point. 
And it won't be long before it's gone. I certainly hope so. I think. It was... Uh, I mean, at least they were doing something with her, I guess, yeah. at the time. I, I didn't... It didn't bother me too much. Was that Brian Wood, too? Yeah. No, 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 no. That was Victor Gishler. Oh, you're right. Yep. Okay. So, all in all, I enjoyed Battle of the Atom. It's probably not my favorite X-Men event. Yeah. Um... It had really cool moments. So I thought um, Ilyana seeing grown-up Peter, I thought grown-up Colossus was fucking sweet. Yeah, I like Wizard Iceman, too. Wizard Iceman was great. And the fact that there were two future Icemen yep. was really weird and really cool. Yeah. Like two possible futures, almost. Like one of his little ice statue things that he's been working with suddenly becomes sentient. Yeah. So, yeah, it had cool moments. Also, I should mention this just really quick. Um, I wasn't able to reread the issue, but um, I flip flopped a lot on Marjorie Liu's Astonishing X Men. But Astonishing X Men number sixty seven had like a one and done Gambit and Logan go to locate this new mutant story, and it just felt really classic to me, like a lot of the one and done issues from the past. So. If you're at all on the fence about checking out Marjorie Liu's End of Astonishing X-Men, Astonishing X-Men number 67 would be the way to go. I admit I dropped it a long I, time I, ago. Completely understandable. After Whedon left and Ellis took over, it became fucking yikes. Yeah, well, I gave and, Liu's run a shot, and it just wasn't doing anything. Liu's run to me was that, like... Hit, miss, hit, miss. Yeah. Like, there'd be an issue that was alright, mm-hmm. and then there'd be one where I'd be like, what the, the Iceman going nuts one really I don't me know up. that I made yeah, it even it, that you, far. Trust me. It was a, I had an issue with it, because, like, Bobby's relationship with his father had been repaired back in, like, 95 and 96. A yeah. lot of good work had been done. And then all of a sudden, in this, like, six-issue arc of Astonishing X-Men, they made it, like, Bobby hated his dad. It was like his dad got the shit kicked out of him by Graydon Creed's people and put in the hospital because he stood up for Bobby. Mm-hmm. You know? So I just, you know, there's certain things where... I'm not a absolute continuity nut, but mm-hmm. there's certain things that I guess might be more important to me that when I see him getting fucked with, I'm not a big fan of. Want to talk about some things that we're excited about? Sure. Did we... I mean, we didn't talk that that Wolverine title very much. No, I For mean, me, Wolverine was a win this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it ended on the strongest note that it possibly could. I mean, I never, like... I think it had major problems in the beginning with the the way the first couple issues went to yeah. get them to, to where they needed to be as far as Wolverine's current status quo with his powers, at least in this title. It doesn't seem to have carried over anywhere else until very recently. Yep. But uh awesome art. Cool yeah, yeah. story. Ellen Davis is killing it. It was a man, it's a really good ending, dude. Can't wait. Moves this up to the top of your stack when you get your box <laughs> in. So uh But this thirteen the- issues of Wolverine we got since Marvel now started and uh, uh, Paul Cornell wrote it, Alan Davis drew most of it, and uh, 2014 is going to see a 
slight shift now with uh, Davis leaving the book, Cornell staying on, but now we've got Ryan Stegman coming. Yeah, and it looks awesome. It looks really cool. Uh-huh. I wish I would have seen some of it already. You have seen some of it <laughs> I have seen some pages, but I don't know any story. No, I mean, yeah. I've got some indications of what what kinds of things are happening, but... I think, too, we've got some indications just from some things that are happening like the Avengers books. Like, he's not going to be an Avenger for very much longer. Yeah. Now that everything's come to light in Uncanny Avengers, which is, again, another reason why you need to be paying attention to Uncanny Avengers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I'm Wolverine, actually, is one of the books that I'm super excited for. It's got me really nervous because I know it's going in a direction that in the past has left me very unhappy. I think... When they've done some of the things they're planning to do. When you read this, you'll get why it's going to be okay. Yeah. I... I'm gonna, I'm gonna be patient. I'm, I'm not gonna freak out about it because I think it is gonna be okay. But uh, I know in the past I would have been really freaked out. Cornell and Stegman, I think, are gonna take it to new heights. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looks beautiful. And I'm looking forward to the, I mean, the books that obviously have been going. Like I'm looking forward to Uncanny Avengers, All New X Men, Uncanny X Men, Amazing, and Wolverine and the X Men. Is there anything else that's been slated as part of Marvel now new that's coming? I don't know. There's the the two X Force books are becoming one book. Yeah. Who's writing that? Spurrier. Spurrier's writing that. That's right. Yeah. So he's losing legacy, taking that over. Yeah. Okay. I think legacy's just ending. Yeah. I don't think it's getting rebooted right. or anything right. yet. Which is weird because that's like. Like, that yeah. would have been, that X-Men book would have been the book that I started reading with, like, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's weird that it's finally coming to an end. I mean, it kind of already did, because it rebooted. Yeah. But that's weird. 300 issues. Yeah. Fuck. Another book is all new X-Factor. Came out the other day. I can't talk about it too much, because Sherry hasn't gotten it. But for me... I was extremely excited to see that there are nods to the old one as to characters being mentioned and whatnot. Which old one? You mean the most recent old one? Or you yeah, mean the yeah. original? No, I mean like the most recent one. Like they discuss, you know, Badrax and, you know, what's going on with him. Uh, and I was surprised because I assumed that the book would be mostly told from like Polaris's perspective, but actually this first issue was really gambit heavy, which made me happy. Yeah. And infuriates Don. <laughs> Don. You can't even answer a text once in a while, so screw him. Uh so give us a rundown, a non spoilery rundown on on what this book is. It's they're they're gonna go corporate and they're doing some things that maybe you know other superheroes shouldn't be able to do. Um, there is a last page callback to a character that I haven't seen since probably 1996, which was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I think I know who that is. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I I can't say who it would be right because I wouldn't be able to say it right. Is, is that correct? I don't. I don't know. 
<laughs> or at least in the past, I've had problems with it. Once. I don't a, think in so. In a weak moment. No. No. It's not Meryl. No. Oh, okay. No. Nope, it's going to be somebody where you're like, what the, who the fuck? Like, it'll be one of those you have to look it up type of things, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? Um, no, I mean, it's just... You know what? This is the one thing that I will say about this book, because there's really not much to say other than it's a first issue that's starting to put the team together. But there's a lot of potential. One of the things that I really liked, David... I think he's working at getting rid of the accent on Gambit. Yeah? Yeah, because there was maybe only one moment where he said anything that remotely looked like it would have to be read as though it had the accent. Hmm. Which I'm kind of okay with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, okay. That's cool. Like, I feel like he's been around long enough to where, like, a little bit of that would have gone away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's the kind of guy that would hold on to it defiantly. Like, if he, if he wants to say no to me every once in a while or whatever, that's fine. But it seemed like there were a lot of writers that would take Gambit on... And suddenly it was like... Just pump it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like they got themselves like a fucking Creole YouTube station and just went nuts. <laughs> Eating Zatarain's for dinner yeah. every night. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to more podcasts with you in the future. Oh. I'm looking forward to the fact that I will probably have at least one epic meltdown on Twitter. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I'm Not looking forward to the it. fact that I'm probably going to have a meltdown on the podcast one day with you. Cool, because we're going to talk about Grant Morrison's X-Men this year. We are. we well, got to find somebody to come on and talk about it with us, an expert. Or we can just talk about it and fuck everybody else. We could. I want to talk about fatal attractions. I want to talk about everything, man. I'm going to hunker down and get back to my reread. Holidays, kind of kick the shit out of it yeah and then you know when we have guests on and stuff like that it kind of slows me down on that because I have to go back and read whatever the guest wants to talk about so that kind of eats up some of the time well we've only got a couple on the burner right now so we gotta get Mr. Turner in we do have to get Mr. Turner in here he's itching we gotta get Mullen started on his five timer award yep Steve Raker is locked and loaded for some discussion on some Savage Land stuff too yeah what a beaut. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good year. So we hope that you uh, stick with us this year. And you're just as excited about all the books that we talked about. And you should give us your feedback. What were your uh, favorite X-Men moments of 2013? And what books are you most looking forward to in 2014? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. And there are a couple places you could let us know that. You could let us know. Twitter, at... GX Pod. That's right. Or you can find our Facebook group, Great Expectations. Or you can visit us at the 11 o'clock comics forum on the Earth 2 thread in the... Monkeys Forum. The Monkeys Monkeys Room. Room. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could find our houses and show up. It's not hard. It's the big one on the corner. The big fancy one. Yep. So that's about it. That is it. Wow, that ended abruptly. I felt like there was so much more. I'm kind of sad. I'm sorry.
Just think, though, we're going to do this like 24 more times this year. Yeah. Maybe even more. Who knows? Probably not more. Probably not. Maybe less. (laughs) (laughs) But if all goes well, there should be 24 more of these before we're talking to you again at our next Christmas special. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I can't. Seriously, this is probably stupid, but I can't wait for our next Christmas special. I can't wait for Christmas. Ugh. Serious Christmas hangover this year. Yeah. It was a good Christmas. It was. It was a really good Christmas. Next year's going to be even better. Yeah. But between now and then, let's read some X-Men, people. Yeah. And go to your local cinema at the end of May and check out X-Men Days of Future Past, which I'm super fucking excited about. That is going to kick the shit out of every other X-Men movie that's ever come out. It's going to be good. It is. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Is that it? Yeah. All right, man. It's good talking to you, Sean. Good talking to you, Jerry. Good talking at you, people. Yes. Goodbye.
I just looked outside. It stopped raining, and now I really want to ride my bike. The sun is shining. Okay, so we will pause for two hours while Sean right. goes takes the training wheels it's, off his bike. Listen, it's been a couple days since I've been able to get out there because of all this fucking snow. Yeah. I went out on a day where it was like negative 20, and everybody told me I was crazy, but I just couldn't sit in my house anymore. I don't want to get fat. I don't want to become the stereotype. I'm already nerdy enough without adding that ring to my stereotypical uh, thing. Yeah. I thought I had escaped it, but I'm slowly sinking back. No, you're going to be fine. I was going to come over to your house the other day when I was really fucking going nuts and suggesting that we go out running together. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen outside. I've been running at the gym, but yeah. not outside right now. The, this the is... streets are impassable. <laughs> We will have to cut all this Back out. on topic. Jerry, remember, this has to all be cut out. I don't know where I'm going to find a starting point, but this will be the ending point.